Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We are so glad that you're here tonight. We are in a study called Supernatural, and um, we are studying that, and we've been studying it for the last few weeks, and we're going to be on it for a few more. Tonight we have a special subject to talk to you about in this teaching, and that is the believer's authority, the authority that's been delivered to the believer and what that means to you. What kind of responsibility does that carry? What kind of privilege does it carry? How does it help people? How does it help you? Those kinds of questions, does God want you to use it? Or does God just want you to occupy until he returns? Any way you cut it, now let's go take a step back from that though real quick and let's review that John 4 and 24a says God is spirit. And so because God is spirit, everything he does is spiritual. Now we call that super. We came up with the definition that supernatural is God spiritually affecting the natural at either his divine desire or at man's request. God spiritually affecting the natural at either his divine desire or at man's request. So because of this, either God is going to step in and do something super on our natural at his divine desire, or if we request of him, and that's what we said about prayer, that prayer is simply requesting God come in and move on our behalf in a situation to break the laws of physics, to break the laws of time in order to get something done. That's our review. And so we're studying spirit natural, which we're calling supernatural, the spirit on our natural. And so let's just jump right into the word. Mark 13, 32 through 37 is a message that Jesus gave that's very important to tonight's message. And let's take a look at this. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about what happens when you are given authority. So let's listen for those two thoughts. Mark 13, 32 through 37. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Now, right there, he's giving us a clue. He's saying, this is like somebody who's a business owner, a corporate leader, someone who has a kingdom, and he's going away for a while, somewhere far away where we can't get hold of him, and so someone's got to run the kingdom. And so he gives to his servants, or he gives to his, those he trusts, what we would call employees today, he gives to his servants or his employees authority over certain things, certain areas of his kingdom. So let's look at that again in verse 34. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each one his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Then he says, it's not just the doorkeeper's job, though. Take a look at this. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. That, that could be any of those four times. So in other words, he'd come back at any time. And when he does, look at verse 36. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom here. You know, after his resurrection, he did go away. He, he went back to heaven, and he's staying there for a while. And during that time that he is in a far country, 
while he's in this far country, we are supposed to occupy the kingdom and we are supposed to use our authority to get the job done that he would do if he were here. He gives us a warning and he says, when the master of the house or when I return, don't be found sleeping, don't be found lazy. I expect that the authority I gave you and the work I gave you to do is going to be enough to keep you busy be busy about that and be watching for my return. All right, be watching, be expecting my return. And so he's very clear here that he's using a metaphor, a metaphorical story to compare to what's actually happened today, to where we're at today. We are waiting for him to return. To return. And while we wait, we are to be watching, not playing, not goofing off, We will be watching and working in his kingdom as if he were here with us, doing the work he would do if he were here with us. Take a look at the screen, and I'll kind of sum this up. It says, God expects you to be using the authority he gave. God expects you, say me, God expects you to be using the authority he gave. He expects it of you. He doesn't expect that he's going to do it, and then you're going to stand by and watch. And for so many of us, our Christianity is kind of backwards. We think God's going to do a whole bunch of stuff, and we get to be the viewers. And it's just the opposite of that. He expects us to be using the authority he gave. And so the question comes up, well, what kind of authority is it? What kind of authority did he leave with us? Well, John 14, 10 through 12 kind of starts to get into this. Let's look at this real quick. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father that dwells in me does the works. Now, just a second. He just said something about words, and now he says something about works. Let's review that and see exactly what he was saying. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Well, of course, we believe that, but at the time, that was questionable. And so he said, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So he says, I've been authorized to say these words. And because I've said these words, there's something happening. There are some works being done. So he connects the words and the works. And then he says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So he says, the Father's in me. He's authorized me to say these words. And once these words are said, he does the works. So authority is based upon the words you use, the manner that you go about things, and then God does the works based upon that. Now look at verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He says something here that's important. He makes a connection between the words he speaks and the works Everyone in the church wants to believe him for his words, but he says, believe me for my works. He was authorized to do both the works and the words, but one wasn't enough. We have been authorized to do the words and the works also, and we're supposed to occupy in his kingdom until he returns. So we have the authority to occupy in the kingdom, to do what he would do if he wasn't here. So we have to say his words and expect that the Father's going to do those works. Look at John 14, 10 through 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. This is the last verse in that message. 
The works I do, he will do also. You've just been authorized. If you believe, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works. You see, we're not supposed to do less than he did. We're supposed to do all he did and greater works. Now, is it greater in number because there's more of us? Probably. Is it greater because we're going to go on to the next level? Maybe. But nonetheless, we need to at least be doing the works he did and then greater works. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, do you believe in him? The works that I do, he will do also. You should be doing these works also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, take a look at the screen. and I'm going to sum this all up. Believers are authorized and therefore expected to do greater works than Jesus. We've, our authorization brings an expectation. If I own a business that sold apples, just imagine that. If I owned a business that sold apples, I would not expect someone to sell 50 apples if I hadn't authorized them to. If I hired someone to sweep the floors, I would expect that they have been authorized to sweep the floors, but I could not hold them accountable for selling apples. Follow me. Since that's the case, God works the same way with us. He never expects from us what he has not authorized. And he just authorized us to do the works of Christ and greater works. Which means when he returns and Jesus said, I say this to you and I say it to everybody, watch. He expects that when he returns, when Jesus returns, that we're going to be doing the works of Jesus Christ and even greater works. Believers are authorized and therefore expected to do greater works than Jesus Christ. So your authorization, you've been authorized, the authority of the believer is the fact that you will say the words of Jesus, you will do the works of Jesus, and then you go on to greater works because Jesus has gone back to his Father. What is he doing at the right hand of the Father? It says he's making intercession for us. He's paving the way for our works. Do you realize that you are having Jesus right now pave the way for tomorrow's works, today's works, the works of the future and of the present, that he is at the right hand of the Father intercessing for us to go do the great and mighty works that he did. Now, when Jesus was going back to heaven, he left this authorization. And remember, in the, in the parable that he tells, he says, a man was leaving to go do business somewhere else in a faraway country, and he called his servants together and authorized them, gave them authority to do certain things. Well, Jesus, when he went back to heaven, stopped right before he went back to heaven and authorized us to do some things. All right? It's found over in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 and 18, and it goes like this. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now we're back to believers again. Those who believe, not pastors, not teachers, not evangelists, not prophets, not apostles, not some great ministry, not somebody who's got a worldwide ministry, but believers, everyday average people who believe in Jesus Christ. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. All right, well, we understand that. We're going to cast demons out of people, out of situations. They will speak with new tongues. We are going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And the, the issue then was the Levitical laws that did not allow you to drink certain things. 
And by not eating and drinking these, these things, they couldn't go to other countries and preach the gospel because when they got there, they were like, well, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't. He said, you can eat anything. It'll by no means hurt you. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And we've seen a lot of that. But I skipped one. And I want you to see the one I skipped because this is really important to our authority tonight. The beginning of verse 18, it says, they will take up serpents. Now, we in our culture don't quite understand what that means. So I was watching on YouTube the other day and I saw a video. And in this video... It was a, a man who had the job of sweeping up the cobra pit in India. Now, in India, where they have uh, cobras, and there are cobras, a lot of cobras there, but where they have cobras, they put them in these concrete pits so that tourists can come by and see the snake charmer charm this, the cobra. And this show goes on, let's say, once an hour. But the problem is, is these pits hold 60 and 70 vipers all in this this round, it looks like kind of like a swimming pool or a shallow swimming pool. And somebody's got to get in there because they feed these animals. They live in there. They use the bathroom in there. They shed their skins in there. Come on, that's what snakes do. And so somebody's got to get in there and clean it out. Well, the guy that goes in to clean it out has been authorized to clean out the viper pit. To clean up the viper pit. So I'm watching this video and this young man, probably in his late teens, early 20s, reaches down and kneels down in front of probably 20 vipers, and he's got a broom. And basically what he does is he reaches over with no concern whatsoever for getting bit, and he grabs these vipers by the middle of, of their, by their torso, by the middle, I guess you'd call it a torso, they don't have arms and legs, but somewhere in the middle, and he pitches them to the right, seems to be doing this all with his right hand. He reaches and he grabs them, he pitches it to the, off to the right. Grabs the next one, pitches it. Grabs it off and pitches it. No concern for his safety. And these vipers apparently have been trained to the point that they don't bite him. Now, I think if he showed fear, they would be more aggressive, but they are like little pet animals, little pet puppies, to this man he reaches in because he's been authorized he reaches in he he throws them aside he picks them up and he pitches them and he pitches them and he pitches them and he pitches them until he clears an area then he takes his broom and he sweeps up eggshells and food pieces and and all the stuff that comes from these animals their skins and whatnot he sweeps them up and then he he goes over to the next section and he throws it away not one time during this video does he look behind him and there are vipers behind him not one time does he seem to be scared he is not scared The thing that he's doing is he is taking up serpents. You also have been authorized to take up serpents. Where? Out of people's lives, out of situations, out of the world. Jesus came in and he just cleared the area of serpents. He was authorized to do this. And so we also have been authorized. And what do we do? We go in and say, oh, the devil's there. We're afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of the devil. Pick him up and throw him aside. You have been given authority over him. The Bible says that God will break the teeth of the ungodly. Well, we all know Satan is ungodly. His teeth have been broken out for the believer, and you've been authorized to pick him up and throw him aside. And although he may, be, he may walk around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he cannot devour you. He cannot devour you. Let me say that again. He cannot devour you. Pick him up and throw him aside. We shall take up serpents. And I wanted to get that to you simply because 
take a look at the screen. Someone has to take up the serpents to clean out the house. Somebody's got to, you know, we find Christians all the time that they come in here and they're a mess. And they've got devils all throughout their life. They're in their house, they're in their car, they're in, I mean, they're everywhere. They're in their entertainment, they're in their, in their relationships. The devil is at least an influence there, and for him to be an influence, he has to occupy. So he's living there, it's our job to go in and grab the devil and throw him out. It is not our job to be afraid of the devil or to go in and go, oh, I feel in the atmosphere that the devil is here. No, go in with your authority, grab hold of the devil and throw him out. Just throw him away. Get him out of there. Someone has to take up the serpents to clean out the house. Why a clean house? What is it about God wanting a clean house? We'll look at this in Matthew 12, 43 through 44. When an evil spirit leaves a person. Now remember, the first thing he said is you'll cast out evil spirits. So when you cast out the evil spirit... It goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. Now, what was going on in the meantime? Well, we're now casting out devils and sweeping up. The devil's been cast out. He goes out into the, into the wilderness or into the desert, and he looks for a home. He can't find it. He says, I'm going to go back home. I can't find any rest here. I can't find any place comfortable. I liked my couch back at Joe's house. Come on, somebody. I like the way I messed up relationships back at Joe's house. Come on. And I'm only saying Joe because I know there's no Joes here. Let me read this scripture from the very beginning so that you can catch it all. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. This is your authority we're talking about. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former house. Listen to this. Empty, swept, and in order. We are devil sweepers. We're supposed to get their house in order and swept. We're also supposed to give them the opportunity to fill it with Jesus. The devil does sometimes go back and find his former home empty. Remember Jesus said, the words I speak, that fills it. And the works I do, that's the casting out and the throwing away and the handling of devils. So... What does that mean for us? It means that we have total and complete authority. And some of you are going to say this to me tonight. You're going to say, Pastor Scott, I have tried that before. I have gone in and cast the devil out and binded and loosed and and, and laid my hands on and prayed in tongues and I've done the whole nine yards and nothing seemed to change. Well, there's a reason why. I want to show you this. Look at Matthew 18 and 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That is an extension of our authority. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So heaven is following your lead. If you permit it, it's permitted. If If you bind it, if you stop it, it's stopped. Heaven perfectly follows your authority. Earth seems to have some trouble with that. But nonetheless... Earth will follow heaven, but there's something that we've missed in the past because we've all seemed to have tried it before and it doesn't seem to work at times. Or for some of us, we've all tried it before, but sometimes the manifestation of it seems difficult. Sometimes it seems hard to receive the package we've ordered. How many of you following what I'm saying? Well, that comes down to one fact and one fact only. And that fact is this. God has given us authority, but then he said something to us 
And this is where people seem to fall. Of all the Christians that I pray for, of all the Christians that I lead into authority, this one thing seems to get them. The Bible said that there's something we do with principalities and powers. What is it? It's wrestling. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against principalities and powers. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. He says, you're not wrestling with people. You're wrestling with devils. And by wrestling with these devils, they are used to wrestling and they are good at it. Now you have authority. They have some power, but you have authority over all the power of the enemy, Jesus said. Since you have authority over all power of the enemy... Since you have that, you've got to hold your ground, and that comes down to a wrestling match. A lot of times we say it, but then we have to wrestle with it afterwards. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say you're going to pray for somebody. You're going to pray for someone. And when you pray for them, and let's say you're going to pray for them because they have headaches. And they've had headaches for 30 years. Well, that devil has come in and occupied that place for a long time. Well, you can cast that devil out. Let's say they have headaches and it's caused by, by stress that the devil's putting on them. You can cast that devil out and you can coach them on getting rid of the stress and you can tell them, you know, I take authority over this situation and from here on out you'll have no headaches and you have total authority to make that happen. The problem is, is you might have to wrestle with the devil for a period of time, or they might have to wrestle with the devil for a period of time in order for him to understand that we're not going anywhere. Too many times the Christian gives up in the wrestling match. They come into the middle of the ring, you know, in a wrestling match, everybody comes to the middle of the ring and they say, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I take authority over you. You've got to go away. I'm going to rip you up. I'm going to tear you. I'm going to throw you out of this ring. And then as soon as the bell goes ding, ding, and the wrestling match starts, the Christian climbs over the rope and walks away. And the devil continues to occupy that ring, that headache ring. That ring where it's used to wrestling. No, you have to be willing to wrestle. If you ever watched the show Cops, if you've ever seen the show Cops, you've seen that policemen can say halt in the name of the law, but when the guy runs off, they've got to chase him down and grab him and wrestle him to the ground. Why is that? Criminals don't like following orders. They will. But you may have to wrestle with them. Look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your might, His might. You know, a lot of people are all about their authority. Don't be about your authority. Be about the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You may have to stand and occupy and wrestle for a while. Now listen to this next verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, so in other words, what are you supposed to do about that? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You have authority to make it happen, but you better have some armor on because the devil's going to try and whip you anyway. And so for a lot of us here, we have lost in the wrestling match. We've won in authority, but we've lost in the wrestling match. Heaven says, okay, you can have it your way. And then we jump out of the ring and heaven is let down 
<laughs> by our fighting ability. We don't know anything about putting on the, the whole armor of God because we're too busy running the other direction. No, your authority means you will occupy. You'll never see an army come in, a successful army come in and say, we will take this property, we will take this land, and it will be ours and have them not occupy. They will stay there. And it will be dangerous to stay there, but they will stay. And the longer they stay, the more it's theirs. This was the problem with the children of Israel. They walked all the way across the desert after the, after the ten plagues, you know, and walking through the Red Sea, and God set them free. They went all the way across the desert. They got to the, to the promised land, and they thought God was just going to march them in and give it to them. And he said, go fight for it. You've got to wrestle for it. And they said, no, thank you. We'll go back to being slaves. And they didn't receive. That generation died in the desert. The next generation said, we'll fight for it. And they went in. They got tired of being medium dwellers. They weren't slaves. They weren't occupying either. They were somewhere in the middle. And that is sheer frustration. A lot of you are not rich. You're not poor, but you're in frustration land. Come on, somebody. God wants you walking in his best. Now, take a look at the screen. Authority declares the end of the wrestling match ahead of time. It's sort of like the WWE. They come in and they wrestle, but everybody knows who's going to win at the end. huh? Now, the audience might not know, but the players in there know. And the devil knows that if you will wrestle with him, you will win. But if you jump out of the ring, he wins by default. There's nothing you can do about that. You have used your authority to declare, but you haven't used your authority to occupy, to take up devils and throw them away, to speak in new tongues, to drink anything deadly. The devil will try to kill you when you try to occupy the devil will try to kill you when you use your authority but you are the one with the authority you're the one with the authority to take on devils you're the one with the authority to declare the works of god and then to do them god will do the works of what you declare in your authority i'm so glad you were here with us tonight and i want to say to you go in your authority wrestle against the devil and watch god win. Bless you. You've been listening to a message from Vineyard Community Church in downtown London, Kentucky at 220 West 5th Street. We invite you to come and join us. Our gathering times are 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And Wednesday night, we have meal and a message night at 7 p.m. Great things are happening at Vineyard and everyone is welcome here.